Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Colorado communists are going after a Christian cafe owner. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe, leave a rating, share it with a friend, email us. You know the drill. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the craze, CBN's Billy Hallowell and Trey Goins Phillips. Gentlemen, Happy Tuesday. Good morning. What's up? Happy Tuesday. I'm we excited. are off, off to the races. Off Another week already underway, you know? Yeah, yeah. And again, no shortage of things going on. you got the fires in <laughs> Hawaii. You've got yeah. um, Christians still imprisoned in Eritrea. We've got all of those things coming up. And what do we have on the focus story? Yeah, we're going to be talking about this crazy story out in Colorado about a coffee shop being essentially attacked, I guess, in a way by communists and LGBTQ advocates. Yeah, it's wild. Interesting one. Wild. And it's it's frustrating that Christian business owners continually have to go through things of this nature in today's day and age. We'll have the details on that one coming up on The Focus. On the main thing, we will have more on the Eritrean pastor story. They are in prison. Some were freed. Some Christians were freed that have been wrongly imprisoned for some time now, but a couple pastors who have been in locked up for a for years are still behind bars. Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs has the details on all of that coming up. We're going to get first here to the news in 90 seconds. Sound of Freedom director Alejandro Monteverde and co-writer Rod Barr, they were responding to these critics that appeared of the film that argued that the film was QAnon adjacent, trying to attach it to the far right wing radicals in QAnon. They said that the film is not in the least bit political. They said, quote, child trafficking is not a conservative or liberal issue. It is a fundamental human rights issue, one that strikes at our very core as human beings. Sound of Freedom has performed incredibly well at the box office, right up there, if not ahead of some major blockbuster films. Church in Maui, that's part of Pastor Greg Laurie's Harvest Christian Fellowship Network, has not been damaged by the wildfires But members of their community have been, quote, devastated by these fires. They said the wildfires have impacted all our pastoral team personally, and they have been praying in the meantime and supporting and loving the community in the past few days as best they can. And horrifying video captured the moment a house in Pennsylvania was just completely pulverized by an explosion killing Uh, five people, including a 38-year-old man and his 12-year-old son. So prayers up there. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Guys, real quick on this video of the house exploding in Pennsylvania. I saw the ring cam video, a neighbor, you know, that's aiming at that house. It, they're still investigating, but I mean, this is a large house and it just exploded and completely blown to smithereens. It looked like it got hit by a military jet or something with that type of explosion. It was unbelievable. And you just wonder what in the world could happen to make a house explode like that. I mean, unless it was done intentionally, I I can't really think of any other reason a house like that would explode. Can you? Or 
I mean, unless there was some sort of natural gas Leak. issue going yeah. on inside the house, yeah, you light right? A cigarette that, you know, or something, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's actually terrifying because it's like you could just be sitting in your house doing your thing, and you know, I mean, obviously it's incredibly rare, but it's terrifying, so. right? But it, it makes you consider your mortality. I mean, even I mean, I walk around my neighborhood all the time with my family and my kids, and to see that thirty-eight-year-old man and his twelve-year-old son, man, that really that hits close to home to me. Just think, I mean, because I do that same thing. Almost every day, take a walk with one of my kids and to think, man, it just reminds you that you're just not promised any amount of time on earth here and it could end at any moment for any reason. So use your time wisely, I guess. Yeah, for sure. It is. It's a scary thing to think uh, just how how finite life is, but also I think a good reminder is with you said to, to know what you believe, right? I don't want to over-spiritualize it, right? But you should. I mean, we need to know uh, what we believe. We need to be open and honest about our convictions and, and share our faith with those around us because ultimately none of this stuff matters if you don't have eternity squared away. If you don't trust in Jesus as your Savior, none of this stuff ultimately makes yeah. any difference. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I guess when I'm when I'm looking at the news and I'm looking for things that we should talk about or mention, you know, a lot of outlets and I'm sure, you know, the places that posted the video of this house exploding, a lot of news outlets just do that because they know, well, it's it's crazy video and people are going to click it and it's tragic and everything else. And I'm I'm thinking, like, how are these things impacting me spiritually? And that, that was just one of the thoughts I had when I watched it was like, hey, like we, we're not guaranteed time here. Don't waste your time here on Earth. So, yeah, you don't want to over spiritualize things. But at the same time, we don't want to just gawk at all the things happening. Right. And just be like, wow, look at that explosion and how crazy it was. It's like, I don't know. God's given us discernment and we can sort of look at these things and try to glean something from it. I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on that. That's just the way I look at it. No, no, I think it's true. I think, you know, trying to figure out what really matters in life. It's so easy to just, and also remembering that people are behind headlines, right? Like real yeah. human beings. These aren't just random names or random occurrences, just random house just blew up. No, this is somebody's house, all their belongings, the things they owned. And then the more important things, you know, eternity and and all of that. Yeah, I think I think yeah. that's how we really as believers should be looking at every news story. Yeah. No. Oh, totally agree. Totally agree. And um, and that's what we try to do on most of the stories that we cover. Uh, news from a Christian perspective. So I would imagine that's the main reason a lot of you are here each and every day as we're going through the news here for that Christian perspective. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, we're trying to we're trying to get through this life together and make sense of it as best we can. And that's what we're going to try to do with this next story here, where you have these Colorado communists that we mentioned at the top of the story. I have, I have thoughts on just that, but we're going to go into what they're doing, which is reportedly going after this Christian coffee shop. So what is the story here? Yeah, so Jamie Sanchez, he's the founder of Recycle God's Love. This is a organization out in Denver, and for years he's been providing meals, sandwiches. I think it started with burritos, you know, feeding the poor. But Recycle God's Love has really expanded, and they've gone into a new endeavor of really trying to equip and work with the homeless. And so this is a homeless, I just want to emphasize this, a homelessness ministry. So we have to start there. And they created the Drip Cafe this year. It's 
a coffee shop. Um, it's in a location where another coffee shop was. And, you know, Jamie has said that God just orchestrated all of this to put them in this neighborhood. And I think the neighborhood probably is an LGBTQ area, um, which is kind of interesting. And so this Christian coffee shop, again, it's called Drip Cafe, is in the middle of it. And the point of Drip Cafe is not just to have a for-profit coffee shop. It's to employ homeless people to train them, to give them mentorship, right? So that's the whole entire premise of what this is. But from day one, the minute they opened, there have been protests. There have been communists, LGBTQ activists showing up. And what's so unique and bizarre about this um, you know, situation is that they haven't just shown up once. This started June 2nd. And here we are, middle of August, these protests are still going on. They come, I believe, every Saturday. They come, I believe, on the first Friday of every month because that's kind of the big day where all the businesses in the area make their money. And they hold signs. They scream. Anybody who goes in or out, if you go into the coffee shop, they'll call you names, apparently. Um, And the whole entire premise is purportedly to shut down this coffee shop. That is the goal. They want this coffee shop um, shut down, and uh, it's just a bizarre story. It very, it very much is a bizarre story. Starting with the fact that the communists are feeling like it's so, that the the waters are safe, where they can present themselves as the heroes to society here, out protesting. Um, it seemed like not that long ago that communism was a dirty word here in the country, but not so much anymore, apparently. But what <laughs> what was the what was the language sort of in question in the whole thing? Right. So, so why are, I think the natural question is, well, why are they there? Why are they protesting drip cafe? Um, and the, the, from what we know, all right. And again, we have to be careful with this. The details we know, they are upset about a statement that was on the website for recycle God's love. And, you know, just like every ministry, here's what we believe. There was a section about homosexuality, um, on, on their website. And it basically, called it an alternative lifestyle. It said, additionally, this organization holds that a homosexual lifestyle is contrary to God's word and purpose for humanity. The Bible instructs that it is a sin that leads to death. And so this statement goes on to call it, you know, to say, look, we love those living in such lifestyles, but we abhor their sin. It quotes scripture. um, And it says any member of the church is forbidden from practicing that sin. And they will be, if they're unrepentant, they will be dismissed, right? So that was their statement. And that really is what triggered people. The the statement about a sin that leads to death, it, it really, it was interesting. Some of the people commenting on this online were saying they want, you know, gay people to die. And I think clearly the understanding there from a Christian perspective is spiritual death. That's what it's talking about there, yeah. not going out and, you know, wanting to see the death of, of gay people, literally. So that is what sparked it. Now, I will say Jamie and the ministry, they have changed the language since to try to clarify. They didn't change their position, but they smoothed the language over a little bit to try to make it clear that, hey, we love those with whom we disagree, um, but we are not going to compromise our views on this. So that seems to be the sticking point. And when you look at the protest language, I mean, these people are setting up tables outside. They're, they are all in. And if you go to the Facebook page and look, they're very open that they are going to continue this until that shop is gone. Yeah, it, it is really interesting. And, I, you know, one of the things that interested me, Billy, when I was looking through some of the stuff you were sending on this story is the fact that they don't seem, especially like on their Facebook page, you look at their posts and the comments, they do not seem to understand what he was saying about hate the sin, love the sinner, essentially. 
they think that is the most ridiculous argument ever. They're like, wow, how dumb can you be? And, you know, from a Christian perspective, we clearly see that sin is the enemy, and it's not just that sin. It's it's all sin. And and so we can look at everybody as equally sinners, and we're just trying to point out sin. They don't understand that, and we need to pray that God opens their eyes, because that is not at all the heart. I mean, I know there are some people who warp it. You know, we, we've seen it with, you know, Westboro Baptists. They were the most egregious example. So there are people that warp it and just, you know, overdo it on that particular sin. But the most Christians that I know, pretty much all of them, want people to find Christ and repent of their sins. And so that's all sins. But then when you see somebody out flagrantly doing it, you want to call that out. And and it's not to harp on them. But they, anyway, they miss that message, which I find interesting that they can't even understand where we're coming from. To want somebody to shut down, this isn't, again, just a random coffee shop. This is a coffee shop that is trying to help the homeless. And that part is getting lost in all of this. And that, to me, is the most heartbreaking part, that they're out there trying to do a good thing. Yeah. And their sales are suffering. People are being snuck out the back door because they're afraid when once they go in. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, it's sad that this is the world that we're living in, that this is a reality for an organization, Christian or not, that's just trying to do something good. But I think that is, uh, again, not to kind of over-spiritualize, seems to be like the theme of the the episode today, but I think there is, there's truth to, uh, or value, I mean, to looking at the Christian perspective of all this, as you said, Dan, that's why we're here. Uh, that's what this podcast is here for. And I think uh, that people are willing to do this. These, this communist group is willing to do this to a group that's out there doing good, I think just shows the spiritual blindness that I, I think yeah. our world is dealing with because uh, whether they want to understand it or capable of understanding it or not, when it comes to the sexuality stuff and God's design for sex and for marriage and all that, the reality is, is that they're just not going to understand it. Uh, not because they're incapable of it, because there's no value in it, right? If you haven't been transformed by the Holy Spirit, if there hasn't been that inward change, you know, what outwardly is there to compel you to believe something like that, to to hold to that moral standard? So, you know, I think this is, this is definitely spiritually rooted, which is, a, that's something you've said many times, Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So Billy, what do you, what do you, what do you, do you know anything about what the shop owner plans to do? How are they, still surviving, you know, financially, or is are these protests having a, a negative impact in that way? And what do you think yeah. the outlook is here? No, it's definitely having a negative impact. You know, he was able to look, Jamie, at the owner at the previous coffee shop. Remember, this was another coffee shop. They paved the way to allow this coffee shop to come in and their sales are down. They're not making as much as the other coffee shop was. And the whole reason they're trying to make money is to support those in need. So it's having a major impact. But he has said he has no plans of backing down. He has no plans of throwing in the towel. Um, but these, I mean, I, I can't think of a protest that has gone on like this for two, for months. I mean, these people, they keep showing up. And so imagine you want to go get a cup of coffee and someone's screaming at you with a bullhorn that you're a bigot. I mean, you're not going to want to go in to get coffee. That's naturally what's, what is happening with some people. So um, there's some really interesting images of, of people praying in the shop and the doors open and you can see the protesters outside. So they're clearly being a witness there. I also, look, I don't know what else is at play here. They're waging a lot of claims, the communists, against um, the owners that are not being validated. But I, I think they fight on as long as they can. Yeah, indeed. And I mean, look, I mean, like you said, don't know all the things going on behind the scenes, but I would hope that if everything is 
as we're seeing and as they say that that the Christians in the area would show up and support you know a fellow brother in Christ who's going through a situation like that and trying to trying to bring light to Christ's name and having to deal with that I hope I hope I hope uh, some fellow Christians would help him bear uh, bear those burdens along with him so appreciate you bringing that one and that's gonna lead us to the main thing now and there have been reports now of Christians being released in Eritrea, which is just crazy to think about how long some of these Christians have been put in prison. Well, Billy recently caught up with Todd Nettleton from Voice of the Martyrs, and Todd kind of shed some light on what is going on in that region and why these Christians are in prison and about these ones that were freed and how that all came about through one of their campaigns. There's a lot there. And it's, it's important stuff and something that definitely needs to be on our uh, prayer radar. So that's today's main thing. Todd, as always, it's wonderful having you here. And we're here to talk about some good news. Quite often, we're talking about negative news uh, because of persecution around the globe. In this case, Eritrea... Um, It's a country some people might not be familiar with. We can get into some of the ins and the outs of persecution there. But there were recently some Christians, 13 Christians, who had been detained for about a decade who were released in that country. Tell us a little bit about this story. Well, this is an amazing answer to prayer, an amazing praise the Lord for 13 Christians in Eritrea, six men, seven women to be released from prison. As you mentioned, all 13 of them, at least 10 years in prison. Uh, For them to be released is an amazing blessing. And uh, it's interesting because just uh, six days before they were released, uh, Voice of the Martyrs launched a campaign on behalf of two pastors who were spending their 7,000th day in prison. So they were arrested more than 19 years ago. Uh, They've been in prison all that time. We asked people to pray for them and for other Christians imprisoned in Eritrea. We asked people to contact the Eritrean embassy on their behalf. Uh, And lo and behold, six days later, 13 Christians walk out of prison in Eritrea. Uh, It's hard not to see those two things as, as connected. Yeah, I mean, six days. And and this speaks to the importance of the work that you do at Voice of the Martyrs, because this is very difficult work. The persecution issue is raging around the globe. You and I have talked many times about this before. How common is it that you see that sort of pressure being put on a country and for that quick of a turnaround, presumably to see these 13 people being released again, less than a week after you started that effort? Well, it's interesting to kind of wonder about that because there's no, obviously the Eritrean government is not going to say, hey, uh, Voice of the Martyrs did this. And so we're going to let these people go. I was in Eritrea in 2004. And uh, it's interesting. One of the pastors, I, I was just recently going back through my notes from that trip. One of the pastors at that time said, you know, if you could get the U.S. president to call our president, just one phone call, it would make a huge difference. But that hasn't necessarily been the case. The Eritrea has been identified as a country of particular concern by the State Department repeatedly over the years since then. And that international pressure hasn't seemed to make a difference when it came to religious freedom. So, uh, again, it's hard It's hard to know what role different things play. Government pressure, uh, people praying, people writing letters to the embassy, sending faxes to the embassy. It's hard to know how that all plays into 13 Christians walking out of prison. 
Yeah, well, and, you know, and again, you like you said, the government's not going to say, oh, thanks, Christians, you made this happen, right? But but the fact that you embarked on this, and, and we should note the two church leaders, tell us a little bit about them. They were not among the 13 who were released, correct? Yeah, one of, one of the things that is really sad for me is that uh, Pastor Haile Naiski, Dr. Kiflug Ebermeskel, the, the two church leaders who were in prison 7,000 days, that's now, uh, I think we're up to like 7,020 now, uh, they are still in prison. They were not among these 13 that were released. Uh, I continue to encourage people, please pray for them. Please pray for their release as well. And they're not alone. The, our estimates are somewhere between 350 and 400 Christians still in prison in Eritrea. And as I mentioned, uh, you know, every time I talk about this, not a single one of those Christians has had a trial or had a lawyer had a chance to defend themselves or, or represent their side of the story. In fact, not a single one of them has been formally charged with a crime. They simply get arrested. They disappear into the prison system. And in the case of Pastor Haile and Dr. Kiflu, it's now been 7,000 days that they've been in that prison system away from their family, away from their friends, uh, simply for being followers of Jesus Christ, simply for working in the church in Eritrea. Well, that was going to be my question. And what is the what is the allegation against them? I mean, what is the government saying they've done? The challenge for Christians, and this is interesting because President Afwerki, the president of Eritrea, was educated in China under the communist system there. And so it seems that he has kind of brought with him that distrust of religion. And so the knock against Christians or the reputation against Christians in the government is they're not patriotic. They, they love Jesus more than they love their country, which hopefully that's true of all of us who love <laughs> right. Jesus. Yes, we do love Jesus more than our country. That doesn't mean we're not patriotic. It doesn't mean we don't love our country. But that's really how Christians are perceived in Eritrea. They're, they're not patriotic citizens. They're not good citizens. They're a threat to the government. That's why so many are locked in prison. And these these 13 who are released, I know their identities are not being revealed for security reasons, obviously. Um, they spent 10 years behind bars. You know, were there any official charges ever? It seems like possibly not. Um, and if so, do we know what they were specifically charged with? There are no charges. In fact, no single Christian in Eritrea has been charged with a crime. So, uh, that, I mean, that is so foreign to that is so foreign to us. It is completely unjustified. It is, as you say, to us, it's almost incomprehensible. Like, how can you hold somebody for 19 years without even charging them with a crime? That's the reality, though, in Eritrea is there. there is no, there's no recourse. There's no legal, there's no trial. There's no way to fight against the charges. And one of the really frustrating things, and, and again, as we think about this as Westerners is, they don't know how long they're going to be in prison. There, there is no prison sentence that they're trying to serve out and, and get to their final day. They could be released tomorrow or they could not be released ever or they could be released 10 years from now. They never know how long they're going to be there. And I think, you know, as we think about praying for them, I think that's one of the things we can pray for is just for a, a hopefulness and a sense of encouragement that God would give to them because they have so many unanswered questions. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine living with that sort of fear. You're at the whim of a government official or government officials. You're you're forgotten in prison, and you're there for doing nothing. I mean, you're there for nothing more than exercising what we would call your rights. You know, here in in the West and here in America. Um, when you look at this and you look around the world at some of the patterns of of what's happening when it comes to persecution. What does it show you, especially this particular instance where you guys went out there at the 7,000-day mark, you encouraged prayer. What does this situation show you about the power and the importance of being prayerful and hopeful, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances? You know, I think one of the things that, that we will hopefully take out of this is how we need to pray for imprisoned Christians around the world. Uh, we set up a website. More than 16,000 people have said, I'm going to pray for Christians who are in prison in Eritrea. Uh, the fact that that went live on a Saturday and the following Friday, 13 Christians were set free, I think shows the importance and the power of our prayers. The other thing that happened is we encouraged people to contact the Eritrean embassy. And uh, we know that happened. We actually heard from some of our viewers who said, hey, I tried to email the embassy their email address is, is bouncing back. Apparently, either their box was completely full or perhaps they turned off the email server because they were getting so much email. But obviously, they noticed the fact that, hey, people are writing to us about these two Christians in prison. People are aware of what we're doing to Christians in prison. Most of these governments don't want that kind of light shined on the persecution that they are doing to our brothers and sisters. And so, when that light does shine, when the world is aware and we make it obvious, hey, people in, in more than 100 countries are, are praying for these pastors who are in prison. People in multiple countries are sending emails to the Eritrean embassy saying, hey, let these people go. They are obviously noticing the fact that this is not happening in secret. This is not happening in the darkness. The world is aware of this. And I think that does have an influence even if it's a subtle influence, even with a government like Eritrea, that I think if you ask them, they would say, well, we don't care what the rest of the world thinks. But the reality is they obviously do care. Billy, thanks for that conversation there. Appreciate it. That's going to leave us with time here for one last thing on the podcast today. We're going to take a look at First John 2.16. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is of the world. In the world today, I mean, the desires of the flesh, that's what everybody's pushing. That's what the culture is pushing. And so, you know, we've got to be on guard. we got to remember Ephesians 6 and just keep it on the straight path. I feel like we say that every day, but it's a reminder we need every day. Yeah, well, and I think it's made more complicated by the fact that so much of what the secular world says is bleeding into the church. And we're, we're having to parse what Scripture says and what uh, the world says, even within our Christian communities. So, yeah, being true to the Word and staying committed to God's word is important. All right. Good spot to leave it here on the pod today. Get yourself on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise, we shall return tomorrow with more. Until then, I hope you enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. God bless. See you tomorrow.